You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Each of the shows can be heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. We're broadcasting from their state-of-the-art studios in the Tech Space facility in Costa Mesa. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to our show during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, SmartStop Self-Storage, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, to make better and more informed decisions, and you do that by listening to the experiences of our guests. If you're listening to the show live today and you'd like to participate, find your Twitter account, log in, communicate with Paul Roberts of octalkradio.net. He's our engineer for the program. He will bring your thoughts and ideas to my attention, and maybe I can work them into the interview that I have planned today. Our first guest is founder and CEO of Brainerd Strategies, Michael Brainerd. I've asked Michael to come and discuss the transition he made from being a professional boxer and Division One collegiate wrestler to a management consultant, senior executive, executive coach, and entrepreneur. He has a Ph.D. in industrial psychology and over 15 years of experience. Michael helps execute executives excuse me, facilitate growth and development by drawing from their own experiences. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Let's talk a little bit in addition to what I said here in the open about your background. Tell us about your path to finding, founding your own firm. Well, you mentioned the uh, wrestling and boxing. They certainly connote individual contributorship and working uh, sort of as a sole contributor. So having gone the early stages of my career with larger consulting firms uh, and having the entrepreneurial spirit and my own sort of individual ideas about how to bring consulting services to the marketplace, uh, I made the dream uh, a reality as I uh, transitioned in 2005, uh, started the firm, and uh, Candidly, uh, many of the things I learned coming up in fighting have been very useful in developing a small business. Okay, so I can't move past that. Can you give us an example? So uh, one example is uh, making payroll, something as simple <laughs> as uh, That's having, a wrestling match, yeah. yeah. Having people to do the work for you is wonderful. Uh, getting those people paid when your corporate clients pay you. I tell people who want to start their own consulting business that running the business is far more difficult than leveraging your technical expertise. And running the business requires a great deal of mental toughness and stick-to-itiveness, as they say. Right. And that cash flow challenge can be a real problem as you're a successful entrepreneur, right? Because as you grow, you're kind of investing and funding. You're putting your money into the business before you're getting that return back from your clients. Yeah, I think it's what, what is most true is that uh, we use the business uh, to grow the business. We don't use the business to generate, at this point, um, anything around wealth or even value, most likely. We're still very much in our first five or six years. And as I've spoken to other entrepreneurs, I think you know we will turn a corner with some scale. But to date, uh, you got to have a fighter's mentality to do the kind of uh, entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurial business that we're doing. Right, and the past five or six years have been a very interesting you know time for the economy for an entrepreneur to start the business there have been challenges in the economy over the past five or six years haven't there well uh, certainly related to our business our business um 
the majority of our business, one could cluster under discretionary spending. Yes. You're talking about people development, organizational development, and certainly in 2008, 2009, much of the human resources budgets and the developmental budgets were simply reined in due to necessity. And so starting the business in the years I did, we had a couple of up years and then a couple of years where we really questioned how good we were. <laughs> I'm with you. So let's talk about your firm. What is it exactly that you do and your your people, and what makes your firm different? So let's start with what we seek to do in our practice areas uh, are the best way to describe that. We provide uh, leadership development services, and we provide the full range of leadership development services to our corporate clients, largely uh, very large to mid-sized corporate clients, whether that's executive coaching, executive assessment, developing custom management training programs to our executive development program, which we've branded Accelerate. That's a majority of our business. The second practice area is strategic planning. And when we uh, conduct strategic planning, we take a very facilitated and developmental approach in working with executive teams, either at the behest of the board, the executive team themselves, or some private equity or ownership stake would retain us to come in and work with an executive team, not certainly do things to them, but work with them to develop their business strategy and then get the organization aligned to that strategy. Those two practice areas, leadership and strategy, are the bulk of our business. The two other practice areas that we feel strongly about are change management and bringing change management strategies, techniques, and implementation to our clients, as well as working with them on performance management issues, from goal setting to cascading to aligning with incentives. So those four practice areas really define who we are as a firm. You mentioned change management, and I've always been curious as to um, that as an area of development for companies because human nature tends to have difficulty with change, especially in uncertain times. So if there's kind of one takeaway, because the audience are business owners and executives of small and mid-market companies that who listens to Critical Mass Radio Show, could you give them the benefit of your experience and education and maybe talk to those leaders about in uncertain times as we're in, how do you address change successfully? Well, I think there's a couple of things I've learned over time that whether you learn them in graduate school or you learn them on the streets or working with corporate clients are just true axioms. One is the leadership of the company, to include myself, usually has had many more hours and days and much more time to grind over the changes that they're either seeking to make or making. Therefore, when they seek to enable these changes or implement these changes, uh, they fall into the trap of, look, this will be generally better because I've built the case. Come on, everybody, get on with yeah, it. I'm there already. Yeah, right. right. I'm already there. That crashes into the reality that most adult Western humans uh, define work and their occupation as one of the three to four most important attributes of their personal identity. Underneath of that is usually people have mastered their job or in the process of mastering their job. So when we seek to drive change, effectively what many, not all, but many contributors or employees or managers feel is a loss of something. I'm losing expertise. I'm losing control. I'm losing mastery. And, oh, by the way, I'm over 40. Learning new stuff isn't my favorite thing to do. Right. We can talk about in any change process, there's always opportunity and there's always challenges. But the reality is the very human reaction en masse in a collective sense usually is the reason change efforts don't go as planned, we'll just say. Right. I think the way you introduce that is so true, having seen it in many larger organizations and smaller ones, too, that 
people who have been going through the process of getting comfortable with change forget the process and they just sort of expect people to get on board and it it can be the it can kill the change right in the beginning because they're they're not appreciating how what people need to catch up no it's absolutely true uh, and again um there's a couple principles that we would invite our clients to follow one let's not try to get everybody on board let's try to get a a small influential critical mass to buy in and get on board as an early first step right. secondly many corporations unwittingly make mistakes by over promising and and being glib with the change candidly I find that adults are adults, and if we talk about some of the pain statements or uncomfortable things that our business might go through or could go through, uh, most adults can handle that. But I think unwittingly and in an in effort to protect people and their feelings, uh, sometimes uh, corporate leaders can send the wrong messages early and, and maybe over-placate and gives the people the sense that things won't change when, in fact, there's going to be a great deal of change. So many of the mistakes we see our corporate clients make are absolutely mistakes of uh, kindness and, and usually trying to do the right thing, but there are certain collective group dynamic behaviors that uh, we've seen time and again and would like to help with. I can think of talking about mistakes. I can think of one mistake that I made in my career where I was speaking to the the, the assembled group, all, all employee meeting about a, a change that we were going through, which was somewhat of a downsizing, restructuring, and a relocation. And I made the comment that, in my opinion, once we make these changes, we won't have to make more cuts later. Unbeknownst to me, a couple years later, we had to make a couple more cuts. And people came to me in a group setting and said, but you said right. two years ago you, we weren't going to have to do this again. What happened? And I... And I didn't even realize what I had done. I had set a false expectation. And again, from a positive intent, unwittingly, um, sort of over-promising. And when we tell our group client, hey, you don't want to probably make statements like that. Rather, you want to build people's muscle or competence around getting used to change. And in today's environment, uh, to be able to make a statement that says, hey, there may be more changes. We're going to involve you. We're going to get your communication. We're going to get your manager's input. We're going to get your input is probably a little better message. But your intent was very positive. Right. And yet, you lost credibility when those people doubled back with Boy, you. did I ever. Yeah. It was harder to sell them on the next change because right. they, I, you know, fool me once kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Well, my engineer is showing me it's time to take our first commercial break. I'm with Michael Brainerd, and he is CEO and founder of Brainerd Strategies. We're going to come back, and I'm going to ask him to share with you his guiding principle as he's leading and growing his firm. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back in less than 60 seconds after these words from our commercial sponsors. talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. 
got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smart old way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. In the past 30 days, you've downloaded over 12,000 copies of our programs. We here at the radio show and the radio station appreciate your continued support. All our shows, as I said earlier, can be heard live on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. We also have an app in the App Store at Google Play and Apple iTunes if you want to make it easier to listen to the archives of our radio show. Our guest is Michael Brainerd, where he's CEO and founder of Brainerd Strategies. We were talking right before the break. I said, Michael, I'm going to ask you to share your guiding principle, your overarching philosophy for how you're constructing your firm. Would you share that with our audience, please? Don't have one, have three. Uh, People on my team are probably sick of hearing them, but the first uh, guiding principle is responsiveness. Um, You can be smart, you can be good, but you have to have a personal touch and respond to your corporate clients. Second is the pursuit of knowledge. I think that as a consultant, uh, we do uh, take great responsibility in that we do have some technical expertise. However, knowledge is fleeting, and to continue to be inquisitive, to be able to learn with every corporate client engagement uh, is something that is very, very powerful for our firm and for myself. And finally, candor. Uh, Our role as an external consultant is to be able to bring things up that may not be so easily brought up by other internal leaders or employees. And we talk a lot about if we don't say it, who will? Um, So respectful candor, both internally and externally, certainly have been one of our strongest guiding principles as we founded the firm. Well, I'm glad that you are constantly or consistently repeating them to your staff because that's culture, right? That's how you build your culture, by exposing your big three. And and these are, it's wonderful to be able to continue to learn. That's one of the byproducts of doing this radio show. We've been doing it for years, had 700 different interviews. It's amazing. I didn't realize when we started doing the show how much I personally would learn from listening to the answers of my guests to the different questions that we ask. It is such a crucible of opportunity to gain experiences from others in even different industries, we can learn so much because I'm sure you see in your consulting practice, there are many similar challenges that different firms face, even though sometimes they think, well, these are our challenges. You know, they're unique to fill in the name of the company. That's right. And on the other side of that continuum, we've seen that same challenge 45 times. And how do you remind yourself to be open-minded, to be humble, to be a listener? Because while it may look and smell similar, every company is different. Every situation is different. But to build on your point, uh, I'll give... Uh, um, you know, my staff helps me to learn. When we, um, my team is is phenomenal, and and Marissa Waldman and Jennifer Conkin and Karen Hill and these people, the when they demonstrate these values internally and hold me accountable for them, and when they <laughs> share their experiences of my own words, it's uh, it's humbling and it's uh, something where I don't only learn from clients, but I certainly learn from my team as well. And I know a few of those people that you mentioned, and you have an all star cast there, a well, very talented you. group. I'm I'm very impressed with the type of people that you've attracted to your organization. Uh, 
there are other larger firms doing similar things to what you're doing, especially focused on the larger corporations. Help me to understand in our audience how you differentiate your firm against larger perceived competitors in the marketplace. So this could be comical, but we differentiate by being staunchly in the middle, which may sound uh, nonsensical. There are many people in our field who are single shingles or very, very small uh, groups of one, two, and three people. There are also the sort of Deloitte's and Mercer's of the world, right? So um, what we have found is that our scale, our, our coverage in Southern California, we're larger than a boutique and we're not as large as a larger bureaucratic firm. That allows us two things. The scale that we might get from a larger firm, again, repeating Many similar types of engagements allows us to gain knowledge and scale and be able to deploy resources really across the country. And secondly, we have the personal touch and the responsiveness and that client touch that sometimes you don't always get uh, at the partner level, certainly, with larger firms. So candidly, being able to compete with the behemoth uh, is, is less of a challenge at times, candidly, than competing down the market with people who have very entrenched relationships with some of our corporate partners. Okay, because they have an existing relationship. That's right. The relationship starts, you know, we can talk technical credibility and approaches and models, but at the end of the day, a trusting, candid, respectful relationship built on friendships, candidly, uh, is how we have grown our business. And those relationships, I think, provide value in both directions, and it's something that we take incredibly seriously in our firm. I have a question. As as you were talking, I was thinking... um, with the kind of engagements that your firm does. Can you share with our audience any experience that you've had relative to the younger generations in the workforce around the topics that you consult on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll uh, I'll say that when we get into uh, leadership development situations or team development situations, in a team development situation, we're usually called in to be an outside third party to intervene in some way on some team that's derailed. What we find is that derailment comes from conflict, which comes from differences, which is ultimately rooted in a lack of understanding or communication. In that way, you see folks that have been in the workforce for a long period of time, in many cases, not all, having a very difficult time with even leaders who would be their children's age or leaders who candidly think differently. I mean, this generation behind my generation was raised with a mouse in their hand, and that's not an animal. And the generation above me was raised with a mouse in a cage in their bedroom. And so um, going on to Google and accessing any information anytime you want is a hell of a lot different than picking up the Encyclopedia Britannica, which is what I did as an eighth grader. So the way we learn, the way we transact information, and the way we communicate, I think is very, very different across the generations. And uh, candidly, that leads to some of the lack of understanding that we might find in some cases. Excellent. You know... One of the big challenges that I see, and it, you don't have to be in a large corporation, but my sense is with scale, it magnifies this challenge, and that is one of trust. A lot of times, different problems manifest themselves, but at the core, if you can get to it, is really it's a trust issue. Do you, do you have a thought on that? or? I have uh, several thoughts, but um, my degree and my experience and, in fact, our firm is really built on the blending of human psychology and business fundamentals and business dynamics. And at the end of the day, many business challenges are underpinned by personal challenges. And to your point, 
issues of trust are slightly more complex in the workplace even than in our interpersonal relationships. And when I say that, many people look at me sideways and say, what are you talking about? Right. Right. So so I'll explain this. Trust is the denominator for much of the dysfunction that we find in group settings. Trust in your personal life usually is built over many more interactions than we are able to have in the workplace. If you've worked somewhere for five or ten years for eight to ten hours a day, you can do the math on that. If you look at your significant other or family member or friend, you've usually had many more interactions over a longer period of time. First. Secondly, in the workplace, trust is driven not only by the interpersonal stuff that goes on between humans, but also the presumption of competence. So we have a presumption that you're not going to knife me on the back and you're going to take care of me and you're not going to harm me in our personal life. Well, in the workplace, we have all of those things, plus the additional burden of, are you going to deliver something on time? Is what you deliver going to be of quality? Are you going to involve people who might not need to be involved on this potentially uh, sensitive project, as an example? So there's many issues of competence that are overlaid on the interpersonal issues in the workplace. That becomes a challenge. And now let's add on some political or bureaucratic sort of fundamentals that might not always happen in the home or with friends. And you've got a slightly more complex environment for trust to take hold. Right. And and great explanation. Thank you for clearing that up for me. The, The other area that I see trust broken is that many leaders don't give their employees the credit for knowing more about what's really going on than they do. And so that sometimes they present situations in a way the leader does that the employees kind of there's a dissonance there. You know what you're saying and what I think I know are different, and I think I'm going to believe what I think I know versus what you're saying. Has have have you seen that as well? I think I think we do see that. We see that in um, environments where a leader believes they have information that others can't handle. Mm. Uh, Literally yesterday, you can handle the truth. You can handle the whole (laughs) truth. So therefore, I'm going to pick and choose what I share. Well. In the act of picking and choosing, I'm losing authenticity. I'm losing yes. credibility. Yes. And, and look, we don't have to be rocket scientists to be able to treat people the way we would want to be treated, which is one of the great core values of one of the local Orange County companies we've had the pleasure to work with. And, and that golden rule, that thing you learned in first grade, candidly, will get you a lot further in leadership than a lot of leadership courses we could offer. Right. And transparency and authenticity seem to be even more in demand with the younger generations because I think they are more sensitive because they've seen some real places where people are not authentic and they just don't have any patience for it. I think that's true. I also think there's a paradox, right? This younger generation, and I know it's a a general comment and you always get in trouble with general comments, but candidly, um, there's been a lot of ribbons given out for a lot of average performers and there's been a lot of you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And when you enter the workplace, um, sometimes you get feedback that you're not okay. And your response to that feedback is really what will define you. And so we can't paint with a wide brush all of the younger generation because, uh, candidly, the response to critical feedback is much more important than the critical feedback. Fantastic. We're going to take our next break, Michael. When we come back, I'd like you to think about over the break a current challenge facing your firm. And if you could share the challenge, but probably equally or more importantly, what you and your team are doing to mitigate that challenge, that would be great. I'm with Michael Brainerd, and he is CEO and founder of Brainerd Strategies here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We'll be back in a few minutes after these words from our commercial sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. 
as one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals. Under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit him online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives, and they listen to learn from our guests. If you're interested in reaching these top decision makers of small and mid-market companies, then advertising on our radio program may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our show. We deliver over 25,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions a month. To learn more, contact our advertising department at 949-887-4104. I'm speaking with Michael Brainerd. He is CEO and founder of Brainerd Strategies. Before the break, I said I was going to ask you to talk about a current challenge facing the firm and what you're doing about it. Michael, would you share that with our audience, please? Our largest challenge is growth. We are disappointed frequently to hear that we are the best-kept secret that some of our clients have worked with. Uh, One of the advantages of of being small as we can be responsive and direct and uh, have high touch with our clients. Uh, one of the other challenges is growing the business and growing the business in the Southern California market specifically. So we've begun to pull together some of our offerings into what we would, for lack of a better term, call products and begin to export some of the things that other clients have gained into candidly new markets. And uh, so we're exciting about, excited about that. But the, um, the business model of consulting is highly labor-intensive and highly uh, specified labor-intensive. So growth is, it can be constrained at times. So by pulling together some offerings that we think have value into other corporate clients and beginning to extend those and get people trained is something that we are currently wrestling with, I'll say. So talk to me about the um, market area that your firm services. So our target market is probably 75 to 80% the senior human resource executive in a mid-sized to large corporate client. So let's just say the Fortune 1000 to the Fortune 2000, we would sell into the head of human resources or the director of organizational development and learning. Those folks would usually see the challenges and seek in many cases to acquire an outside resource to help with some of those challenges. At what point in the evolution of your firm did you decide that you were going to build a staff? How early in the evolution of your firm did you begin to bring people on board? 
Well, that's a, a little bit of a longer story. I'll make it short. I started the business in 2005, and while we had great success, it drove me absolutely crazy. Being the single shingle and bringing my newborn into my office in Cardiff in a baby seat while I worked on a Sunday uh, got very old very quickly. Right. So uh, uh, when I restarted the business in 2007, uh, the first phone call I made was to Marissa Waldman, and uh and she uh, delayed me for some period of time, but she is a unique business developer in the Orange County market, in the markets that we serve. And eventually I was able to uh, chase her down and get her to help me grow the business. And immediately, or sometime around then, I met uh, Jennifer Conkin, who was very young, is a very young and talented industrial psychologist. And what we sought to do is really grow our commercial presence through Marissa Waldman, which we have done, and grow our operation and delivery presence mm-hmm. uh, under Jennifer Conkin and enable those people to become leaders and grow their staffs is something that has enabled us to grow. Have you found technology as a benefit to delivering your services, or or what's your firm's view on how you use technology to help your clients? Well, the last part of your question is exactly what I will largely stick to, which is technology, uh, for better or for worse, perhaps I'm showing my age, will not be a leader in our business. Rather, we'll leverage technology to enable the delivery of our services. So we don't seek to create the next innovative whiz-bang technology because much of our business is high-touch and highly personal and requires Uh, us to be on site working with clients having said that in our leadership development offering which we've branded accelerate we have found a unique advantage is to put our content into a portal where peers can learn 24 by 7 Mm. sharing videos sharing articles interacting in a web-based environment which candidly many people are very very used to doing at this point right so it's we still show up and do instructor-led training we still do some of the coaching but now we've created a format or a forum, as it were, through technology for people to share information and ideas, ask questions, get input, get advice, and access information, as I said, 24-7. So those those types of portals and technologies will enable the transfer of our, hopefully, our good content out to larger audiences. And it's amazing how people can find you, too, when you put a footprint out in the the Internet and cyberspace and you have quality content that people can find, they will find you. Yeah, it's interesting, right? We started a YouTube channel, which if you told right. me I was going to do that three years ago, I would have laughed. And <laughs> yeah, uh, and we are surprised to see the people who take a look at us. And interestingly, after we meet new clients face-to-face, we see traffic on both our website and YouTube channel going up. In other words, it's not just a way to find people. It's also a way okay. to authentic- authenticate and validate uh, the worthiness, as it were, of your firm and your offering. Yeah, I can't. It would be hard. I'm hard-pressed to think of any guests that I've had on the show who can't benefit from having a presence, a knowledge-based presence on the web. That's right. And and uh, we think of our website very much as a sandbox, right, where people can download information, take work samples, look at client testimonials. We're working uh, weekly to refresh it so that it's not a stagnant site. Rather, it's a place for our clients and prospects to really learn about us and engage us candidly. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, my engineer is saying one more break. Michael, can you stay with us through the next break? Happy to. All right. And then we'll be wrapping up the show here in a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. But don't go anywhere. We've saved a couple more questions for Michael, like, What's the future hold for his firm? So you don't want to miss that conversation. We'll be back after these words from our sponsor. 
If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We are in our last segment of an extended interview, and what good fortune we had today to be able to spend more time with Michael Brainerd, who is CEO and founder of his firm, Mike, uh, Brainerd Strategy. And um, before the break, I said I was going to ask Michael to talk about what does the future hold. I love this question because it lets us in the audience handle a little bit for your vision for the future. So talk to us. We're going to have you back, let's say, three years out. What's going to be different? Where do you see the growth opportunities? How are you going to scale your firm? Well, uh, the vision for the future is to expand outside of Southern California. We think that much of what we do can be expanded into markets like San Jose, Phoenix, Denver. And uh, while not extending our talents beyond our ability to deliver excellently, we think those markets are uh, similar enough to Southern California, and we think that they represent a great deal of growth. My vision for our firm is that we are a regional firm that is in the upper right corner of the box, as it were. We want to serve corporate clients with excellence and uh, Four Seasons or Ritz-Carlton personal touch. So we want to offer executive services at the very highest end of the market. We want to offer strategic planning services at the highest end of the market. And we think that we have a unique position in that space based on some of the previous experiences that we've been able to roll together and then put into the hands of these uh, senior HR executives to benefit their executive teams. What is your view on corporations' appetite for training, development, strategic planning? Now that we're the recession is somewhat behind us, people now are focused again on growth. That's my sense, that the mid-market companies that I'm working with, it's all about growing the business now. The, the talk of cutting and saving and all that, that, we are so tired with that, and the time is the, to really focus on the future. I'm just wondering, what is your sense for that in your industry? I would amplify your point. I think it's even greater than the CNN, Fox News would have you believe. I mean, the news media continues to talk about uh, things that I just don't find true in the marketplace. I think in the last 18 months, our clients have not only had an increased appetite, but there's been a previous consequence from starvation. Mm -hmm. So we've delayed that 40-year-old vice president uh, we've not invested in that group of high potential leaders for previous years for very good reasons. Um, so not only do we have a current appetite, we 
have a backlog of demand. Our employees uh, and their engagement and our leaders and their engagement are critical. What happens is that as the market turns, people that previously didn't have a great deal of options incredibly have options. And with those options, they're now looking not just from the lens of fear, but looking through the lens of development. And I think corporations uh, have an accountability to nurture and bring along the leaders that they want to reinforce their culture. So I think the appetite's strong, and it's enhanced by a backlog. Um, and we're finding that developmental ideas, developmental uh, budgets and developmental activities are just increasing almost geometrically at this point. And that is sort of the pendulum moving the other way, isn't it? And I, under- I agree with you. People, companies had to conserve cash and lower expenses because they didn't know when the recession started how much of a free fall we were in. And maybe there was some over-response to that based on what how corporations performed. But now the time has come to really not only compete inside the U.S., But don't forget, these are global companies, right, with global competition. Yeah, I mean, just look at our clients in Southern California. Most have presence in Asia. Most have presence in Europe. Um, And these markets, uh, particularly the Asian markets, you know, you're talking about uh, Gen Y phenomenon in the U.S. You ought to talk about the educational infrastructure in places like China and Korea and Japan and India and what the educational investments those countries have made in the previous 20, 30 years and the talent that they're being able now to export to our market in a way um, that has just been uh, been incredible. I'll, I'll share a quick story with a client in the Bay Area um, who is lobbying the government for more H-1B visas. The American educational system may not be producing as many technical uh, scientists, engineers as other markets. So how do we access talent globally is now a question where we used to access uh, talent locally now right. and then nationally with uh, search firms doing great jobs but now i think uh, the internet and the way the world has flattened uh, we have uh, corporations have access uh, to talent globally and that will create a great deal more labor force mobility therefore a great more opportunity internal to people's career development well this has been fascinating i am glad that we had a little extra time to spend with you today here on critical mass radio show If anyone in our audience would like to learn more about your firm, how do they find you online? BrainerdStrategy.com is our website. We also have Brainerd Strategy as a YouTube channel, and I'd look forward to uh, answering any questions anybody has anytime you can connect uh, connect with me through the website. Well, thanks for being a guest on the program, a friend of the program, and a part of our critical mass business community, Michael. Thank you very much for having me. I look forward to speaking again. All right, ladies and gentlemen going to do it for this episode of critical mass radio show i'd like to thank the engineer today paul roberts for another seamless engineering job on the radio program our producer is rachel franzi our guest coordinator is kathleen shepherd and our marketing communications manager is kelly faltus this is your host rick franzi saying until the next time we have a chance to talk here's hoping that all of your business decisions will move your firm in a positive direction You've been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.